Kicking and Streaming Podcast is brought to you by Cafe 1804. Premium Haitian coffee now available online at cafe1804.com. That's cafe, K-A-F-E, 1804.com. Thing has moved at all, right? Right. So here we are. Here we are. Uh, this, as you said, is going to be a fantastic conversation. And... Yeah. I'm here for it. Right? Me too. I'm ready. All right. So how about we get started? This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming Graham, and today I am pleased to have to introduce to you once again someone who is not a stranger to this show, which is fantastic, and has agreed to be my guest co-host, ladies and gentlemen, making another entrance to Kicking and Streaming, Dr. Tracy. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. It's It's been a while, but I'm so excited to be back. Thank you for having me. Ah, thank you for agreeing to do this. This has been, I mean, of course, we, we always plan to bring you back, but you are a busy person, aren't you? I am a busy person, um, but you know, I am always, always excited to be on the show and to talk about some fun entertainment. And we wish Jocelyn uh, uh, well while she is away from us today, but <laughs> hopefully I can fill in the seat. Well, um, absolutely. Uh, but, but let me just go ahead and say this to our listeners. Uh, Justin does not have COVID. So that's. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> that's not why she is away. It, it it has to do with other kind of ailments. And it's nothing that we should be uh, scared of. It, it's just, you know, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that by next week she will be with us. But this week we are already to enjoy your presence with us in Cooking Australia. Hooray, I am excited to be here. <laughs> so this week we are talking about Hannah. And uh, interestingly enough, this is something that we decided to pass on last season because mm. even though we liked it, I mean, we talked about it here and there, but we, did, we, we didn't do an episode about it because I thought, yeah, well, how much else can they take this story further? Little did I know that the second season was going to be as explosive and as great right. as the first season was. Yeah, I thought that the first season was a little bit, it was a little slower moving and the second season was, was a little more fast paced. Definitely. And I think the crazy thing is that we learned more about Hannah in the second season mm -hmm. than we did uh, in the introduction season. So uh, is it possible that somebody else took over this show? Because as you said, the second season was really, really fantastic. Yeah, that's a very good question. I don't know if they somehow in the middle got new writers or, uh, you know, because I, I never watched Hannah the movie. Did you see the movie, Hannah, before they came out the show with the show? Actually, I learned through Jocelyn last year when we talked about it a little bit that there was a movie. And I was like, how did I never hear of this? And then when I watched the first season, 
Amazon came and said, because you watch Hannah, you should watch this movie. <laughs> watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. Right. Yeah, I have, not, I have not watched the movie, so I don't even know how far they took it in the movie. Um, I guess having a television show allows them to really explore a little bit deeper, right? So that's why we got to see more of Hannah's story moving into that second season. I thought it was really interesting because you got to see her amongst people who were supposed to be like her, right? right? So there was like a whole bunch of like young women who were like doing the same thing, which I thought was really interesting. Yes, it was because last season was sort of like her introduction to a world out there that she did not know of, which I think she did pretty well, except whenever it was time for her to kick ass, she did too. (laughs) Right, right. But, you know, she didn't look like, you know, Crocodile Dundee in in New York or whatever. She, I mean, she, it was amazing to see, right, that for a girl who lived in the forest in Romania to find herself in London, you know, traveling around Europe with her family, she she did pretty well. But but it was it yeah. was a very exciting thing to see. Yeah, it was interesting. I was like thinking to myself, okay, here she is, this girl, like you said, grew up in a forest, right? And obviously, her her adoptive father took very good care of her gave her some really great insight into the world but she really got around considering she'd never been outside of you know that little probably that i don't know how many acres that would have been but she really was able to get all over europe by herself it is one of those things that if you are very critical you could call sort of like a flow in the story Mm -hmm. but then uh, who wants to deal with you know, with the rest of it, the the whole idea of like, oh, she gets startled by everything, and you know, she wants to. Right. Yeah. So I I find that 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 ability to adapt was a good character trait, if you will, isn't it? Yeah. Do you think that she, in the forest by herself, or I should say, how do you think she was able to? to get such high level training with just her father. Because when she was when she would go toe to toe with the girls who had been in the facility, she was really able to handle her own in there. And I was surprised because you know, they had been in this state of the art place and they had all the technology and they learned all these moves. And she was just her and her father in this in the woods. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what I think. I think that she always had to consider not only having to fight for for survival against people, but against the element and against all kinds of things in the wilderness. Whereas these young women, they were, as you said, in the state of the art kind of facility, being prepared for a particular scenario. Whereas I feel like Hannah had to think about everything that could go wrong in the forest. That's true. So that gave her, it sort of reminded me a little bit of uh, Ivan Drago in and uh rocky in it yes yes (laughs) i agree rocky had to train in the streets of philadelphia Mm -hmm. and run up and down some stairs whereas ivan drago had all of this technology because he was training to face rocky whereas (laughs) rocky was training to face anybody everything yeah (laughs) right that's that's a very good point i think yeah her being in the woods made her you know it gave her like street smarts almost yes (laughs) right that's an advantage you know being yeah being in the facility they just they were very one-tracked yes and in the whole idea of we are going to train you to sort of like blend in 
you have to go into society, live a normal life until you are called upon to fulfill a mission. Hannah never had that. Hannah was like, I'm on a mission every day, man. <laughs> that, that's a very, she was like, yeah, she's on a mission every day. I, I really liked this, that idea of the storyline and the angle that they took of where they, yeah, they were trying to make them normal. So they spent all of their lives essentially being not normal, right? Like trains to be killers. And then all of a sudden they're like, now we're going to make you college students. Right. And then they gave them lives. Yes. That, and that kind of brought up a bit of the sadness of, of, of being conceived and prepared for that kind of life in the sense that perhaps before all you saw in them was literally killing machines. Mm-hmm. But then once they were introduced to this new life, you saw them yearning for that family life, for That's the true. knowledge of parents and brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And that was interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it was really sad because especially the one girl, which now I can't remember her name, uh, the the main girl in the facility, how she really she adopted her story as if it really was her own. Like they really started to take it seriously, which made them seem more human. Yes. She right? felt like you it. could see like their human side. She really did. <laughs> like you could see like this longing. I mean, and psychologically when you're taken away from anything, like when taken away from love, taken away from care, taken away from family. Right. And then now it's given back to you. You can really see like how, how human they truly were at the core but yet they were having this tension of I'm a fighting machine. I'm a killing machine. I have these assignments, but I also want to have a real life and a family and, you know, and how they could, they could switch it like in any given moment. It's, it's an amazing series and it has, it touches a lot of, of, especially on this season on, it, it became a bit more emotional, more human than we saw mm-hmm. the first season. And I always ask myself this question. Why exactly is it that um, Amazon series don't seem to resonate so much with people, right? Amazon has put it's out true. some really exciting stuff out there. And, That's true. And in award shows, for instance, they always, always win some very prestigious mm-hmm. things. They do. But then, you know, shows like Hannah uh, or Hunters, which was like an absolutely fantastic show. I mean, they even got Pacino <laughs> to work on that. Yeah. Right? Right. And yet I don't see a lot of people going crazy goo-goo gaga over it. What, what do you think I is that? Care. I think it's because Amazon, like, I think they're very careful, you know, and we've talked about this, like, in the Facebook group, how Netflix has kind of just been hit hit or miss like with some things like just some things are good some things are not right and and they but they churn them out like every week there's like a new netflix show every week and i think amazon is just a little bit more careful with the projects that they choose and they put more i think they put more resource behind it which is how they can get people like al pacino julia roberts who was um in the one show they had halle berry in another right so i think they put a lot of thought and care into into the kinds of projects that they do, but they are a little bit off book. Like they're, they're just a little bit left of like you, you have to really just be into that kind of thing yes. to watch it. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like there, there's not really a lot of feel good things on Amazon. The shows that they come out with like hunters, like yes. there's not a lot of feel good. Like it's, it's usually 
a little more cutthroat. And maybe people just won't feel good, which you, is what Netflix, I think, tries to do. You're absolutely right, because I remember uh, trying to convince a friend of mine to start watching Men in the High Castle, which was one of my favorite shows by Amazon. Yeah. And when I tried to explain to her the premise of the show, she's like, I'm just looking for something a bit more mindless <laughs> to watch. <laughs> yeah, I was actually, because I, I was telling somebody about Hunters and I said, you know, Hunters is a good show. And he said, no, I really need something. He was like, that's a little too dark for me right now. I really need some, you know, and so maybe that's just it is that it's just a little bit, um, it's dark. And also I would say, aside from like Mrs. Maisel, a lot of the shows are like, you really have to pay attention, right? Yes. Because it's, it, it's definitely not a background kind of show. Like you need to watch it, see what's happening. It's so many characters. You have to see the storylines, remember things from, from previous episodes. So I think that that's the reason why people aren't, it's, it's, it's a niche market, I should say. Yes. Uh, but at the same time, it, it sort of like makes it, special in a way because I, I i feel like i look at netflix and i see that netflix is is getting insanely mundane almost mm -hmm. almost as if like at any point i'm expecting netflix to start introducing commercials <laughs> in the middle of their program. Mm, yeah like hulu <laughs> right exactly. yeah and in terms of netflix can give you a very very good series to watch you know, like, for instance, about three weeks ago, we did an episode about The Woods, which is, you know, mm. a, which is a fantastic show from Poland. And one of the good things that Netflix is doing is actually introducing us to a lot more international TV than we are accustomed yes, to. Yes, absolutely. You know? Yeah. But we at the same that. time, as we were talking during in the group, it's like, okay, this girl mimics, uh, does you know, some lip syncing of Donald Trump, but now she's getting a Netflix special. And I'm like, what is yeah. this? Huh? You know, so I, I think for anybody who's looking for something a bit more substance, mm -hmm. it's a, it's, it's a good thing to have Amazon. And it's possible that people forget that it is included with your Amazon prime membership too. That, yeah, I think that's true because uh, usually people, when I say, oh, go watch the show, people automatically will say, oh, Netflix, you know, and I'm like, no, it's on Prime. And, like, they, they, you know, and I think that they do forget that there are shows on there, you know, they can watch and it's not just Netflix. And to your point about, you know, and they, they do get a lot of, you know, kind of social media personalities uh, to do some of these Netflix movies. And, and some of the Netflix movies have been, you know, they've been okay. They've, they've been very um, what people want very mainstream very you know light-hearted fluffy yeah yeah and, and whatever whenever we talk about a netflix blockbuster at the end of the day there's always like something about something a little meh about it like right you know they can come with all the whistles and bells uh and then you say like yeah you wouldn't see that in a in, you know in a in a movie made for theater like for instance Extraction. <laughs> Extraction was good, but I somehow I, I was left like, so okay, what what was this again? You know, um, yeah, I think I agree with you. I think Extraction was like that. That uh, Six Underground was like that. Even Will Smith's Bright, I feel like, was like that. Like not shows that you could that you would expect to see, you know, as big hit blockbusters in a theater. 
but you know, do okay on Netflix, I guess. <laughs> I guess yeah. that's the place for them. <laughs> so going back to going back to Hannah, um, what interested you? Like, what what made you want to watch Hannah? Especially so for someone who had not seen the movie, right. like I like I was. Yeah, I was really interested because well, it kept popping up. First of all, it was like, oh, you watch Jake Ryan, and you also want to watch him. So it kept popping up. Second of all, I really liked this this premise of this young girl when I read about it, and it said, oh, it was a young girl raised by her father in the woods to be a an assassin or something. And I was like, well, that sounds very interesting. So that really kind of caught my eye. Is that this girl was, you know, living, I had no idea where it was taking place. So I didn't even know that it was set in Europe. I didn't know anything about it other than it, it was a girl in the woods and she was trained to be an assassin. Yeah. I sort of, uh, that was like the first thing that, that kind of grabbed my attention. But the other thing I kind of realized is that, which tends to happen a lot with anything that takes place in Europe is that you have this convergence of languages It's true. You know, very true. <laughs> yeah. In one moment you're speaking, you hear them speaking English, and one moment they're speaking French, and one moment they're speaking Romanian, and one moment they're speaking mm -hmm. German. German, and, 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 it, and I, it's yeah. lovely for me. It's it's kind of like it, it sounds like what my head so looks like. In, oh sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think that that's really good. We because we forget, and that really is how it is in Europe. You right. know, like I was, it's been a couple of years now, but the last time I was there, I don't speak French, but I do speak enough Spanish, right? And a lot of people in Europe can, can convert, oh, yeah. like can communicate in Spanish. So when I was in, in Paris, uh, you know, if they didn't speak English, then I could switch to, you know, like, well, do you speak Spanish? And most of them would be like, yeah, a little. And then we could kind of get along by just speaking of my very limited amount, you know? <laughs> so, but I, I love that. I, I love exactly what you said. I think that that's, that's a very representative of how Europe is in general. You can literally go from one city to the next and speak like four languages in a day. Oh yes, oh yes. That, that is mm -hmm. that is an amazing thing, and and you know while it might not be attractive to m most people, and we've talked about a lot about how people avoid reading mm -hmm. reading subtitles or <laughs> or listening to dubbed movies and series, but mm -hmm. you know for a guy who didn't grow up speaking English, that's kind of like how I got used to watching movies. In, in fact, mm -hmm. even even now in English. I still put the, <laughs> the subtitles. subtitles on. Yeah, you know what? Like when um so what, to that to that point of subtitles, I was watching Hamilton with a friend of mine because I'm a huge Hamilton fan, and I've now watched it probably more times than anybody needs to see it because I've watched it with every friend. But I've li you know I listened to the soundtrack for years, right? Like I listened to it for five years, and most of my friends had never heard about it until I kind of exposed them. So even watching English, they needed this you know the yeah. subtitles from watching Hamilton because it runs so fast. But I would much rather have subtitles than than a, an over. Well, yeah, for a subtitle yes yes and <laughs> it's almost well the things that i watch in english that i use the subtitle is mainly because at the same time i'm chewing you know <laughs> <laughs> so from munching i can't hear what they're saying so i prefer to sure. read the subtitle but subtitles is sort of like a, a natural thing to me that i keep looking mm -hmm. for uh the entire time Except when you're watching a bootleg movie and the subtitle is in Chinese or Korean, then I have no idea what I'm looking at. Good 
that. <laughs> right. No, yeah, I think that I, I liked how they did that. I like how they were pretty authentic to, you know, there are multiple languages and we need to speak all the languages and everybody just didn't have, you know, uh, some weird off English accent, even yes. when they were in Romania. <laughs> and and I actually, here's a couple of things about the accent. Now that you mentioned accent, right? <laughs> Mireille Enos, the actress who plays Marissa Vigler, mm-hmm. her, her French is absolutely fantastic. So I, I can... It, it sounded to me that she is not a person who learned French, but rather has been speaking French her entire life. Oh, wow. Uh, and I'm very critical normally of, of, you know, people who just learn a line and sure. it just sounds out of context when you listen, when you hear it. Because, you know, yeah. it, that's no, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She doesn't know what she's saying. But her French is fantastic. That's great. Uh, the actress who plays Hannah S. McCreed Miles, her German accent is yeah, because she's beautiful English, too. exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah, she's English, right? Yes, and her German accent was on point. And I was like, for for and she's a young kid. She's like, I guess she's just while doing the show turned between 18, 18 or nineteen yeah. or something. Yeah, she's still in her teens. Yeah, and and you know it takes actors with a lot of experience to fake an accent and <laughs> <laughs> and stay in character <laughs> and stay with it because um last year jocelyn and i talked about this because we criticized when we were watching hunters no 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 not, not hunters this movie with sasha baron cohen called the spy and um and there was this american actor who was playing an israeli and every now and then he was he would drop the accent, and we noticed it. <laughs> and you know, I feel like for these these productions, I know that they have dialect coaches and things like that. I really think that they should be a little bit more aware, you know, yes. like when that happens, so that they can just redo it. Yeah, yeah. But maybe it was just such a good scene they didn't want to redo it and, and risk ruining <laughs> the scene itself. Yeah, but I, I mean, it was bad. But at the same time, though. How many people do you really think are actually paying attention to accents? Like once they hear an accent, they hear an accent. That's true, isn't it? That's very true. Yeah, uh, how many times people will ask me um, questions like, "I detect an accent. Are you from uh, Africa?" I detect an accent. Yeah, and I'm I, like, what? It, like, what country in Africa would that be? Because, like, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's so, and yeah, and you're right. I mean, most people, especially most Western, the Western world, they are not, you know, they're just not well averse to hearing different accents. My mom's Filipino, so I grew up with, you know, her accent, and then I live in Miami, and everybody has an accent. Exactly. So it's, you know, I'm just very used to, to accents all over the place. Uh, but most people, yeah, they're not, it's, it's also difficult for people to understand, which is interesting because sometimes people will say, oh, it's so difficult to, uh, what did that person say? It's yeah. so difficult to understand their accent. And I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's true. Because I'm used to hearing different accents. I, I tend to get a, a bit uh, defensive about that when people tell me, well, I don't understand you because you have an accent. I'm like, how about you not actually paying attention to what I'm saying yeah, because my accent right. distracts you? <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that that's a very good point. I think the accent can be distracting, but it's certainly not difficult to understand. And I think that a lot of people just, you know, here we are. <laughs> so, so now that you mentioned your mom being Filipino, uh, 
How's your Tagalog? Uh, my Tagalog's very good, actually. I lived in the Philippines for a couple of years. I was born there and then lived there again when I was like ten, eight to ten. So, um, and I have a lot of, you know, I grew up around Filipinos my whole life. So, go back to the Philippines pretty often. So, yeah, that is awesome. That is absolutely <laughs> awesome. I, I, I like that. I um, like my heart rejoices when I find people that are multilingual. You know. Yeah, I think that. I, I agree with you. I think everyone should should at, at least try, right? Like at least because the world, especially now, yes. we are so connected, right? I, I never feel like if I go to another country, I don't feel like I'm not going to be able to figure out how to get around because I, I can I can converse in a lot of different languages. I can communicate in a lot of different ways. And of course, you know, I like to, when I go to another country, I, even when I went to France, for example, I learned a couple of little things. I mean, I'm not going to be fluent, you know, but I like to honor people's heritage and people's nationality. When I go, I don't expect for them to know my language. So I try. Yes. I try. But, but Hey, kudos to you. Cause this is, <laughs> this is one of those things that I try to get people to understand is that, you know, when, when you go to other people's country, it is, it is their courtesy towards you to speak your language. They're right. not, they don't have an obligation to right. speak your language. And it's like, oh, if you want my money, you have to speak my language. No, that's not the way it works. <laughs> There's no, some things your money we... cannot buy. Exactly. And people get angry when people come to America and don't speak English, you know? And so you can't have it both ways. You have to, you know, honor people's just, at the very least, learn how to say please and thank you. I mean, again, we're not asking for fluency. You're not going to go to their... You know, the United Nations and the embassy and start to, you know, try to create policy in another language. But we just need for you to be able to please. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Common things. Hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, so let's talk a little bit about the cast here, because there were quite a bit of uh, returning or recurring characters but also we saw newly in introduced characters that uh, sort of like made the show great. Mm -hmm. So we did talk about, we, we've already mentioned the name of Hannah, though the actress playing Hannah, her name is Esme Creed Miles. You know, she has like a hyphenated name, like yours truly here. Uh, <laughs> so she is effectively 20 years old. She's from England and I believe that Hannah is her first big character. She's oh, been acting since she's been acting since she was like a young kid because both of her parents are in in the industry. But uh, it looks like her. yeah, she uh, right. So uh, so her mother is Samantha Morton and her father is Charlie Creed Miles. Uh, so. Yeah, th these people are sort of, I mean, she comes from acting royalty. And, but mm. she is, it, I say this a lot, but she was born to play Hannah, wasn't she? Yeah, she did such a really good job. I think she really did fit that character so well. Uh, the, I think if this is, I, th I feel like I did read somewhere that this was her first role um, or first, like, you know, serious movie role. I thought that she, came on screen and really commanded it. And to be Hannah, you had to do that, right? Yeah. Like you couldn't be like a little mousy, nobody yeah. hiding in a corner, you know, pretending to be, uh, you know, this assassin girl. I think she did. 
terrific. In that, that's exactly that's exactly what we're always looking for, right? That mm-hmm. even though we know that it is, you know, a twenty year old or some girl in her teen playing to be an assassin, we don't want to see some an actor pretending to be, but rather somebody who fully gets into it. And as mm-hmm. you said, she she she's in there. She gets into it. Yeah, I thought she did great. So Mireille Enos, uh, and and I don't know if she goes by Enos or Enos, but I'm reading it as as a non English, as a non English last name. Right. So Mireille Enos is Marisa Vigler. I also like the fact that she, they pronounce Vigler with its German pronunciation as opposed to Wigler. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, because I guess because they're in Europe and they're going to pronounce it the right way. Exactly. One of the things I've I've always complained about, for instance, is how a lot of people immigrate to the United States and they allow their names to be anglicized. And like there is no such thing. There is no last name anywhere of uh, name Wiener, uh, like Anthony Wiener. You know, (laughs) that's not how you pronounce that, you know. (laughs) And so you were lending yourself to be obviously ridiculed. (laughs) Right. Uh, right. Meanwhile, you could tell everybody, correct everybody. My last name is Viner. Right. It's Viner. That's not a name. That's very true. So the fact that they they maintain the proper pronunciation of, you know, Vigler, I loved it. But let's talk about the actress. Uh, She... A lot of people are not familiar with her, but it's not because you haven't seen her. Rather, you don't remember her. Because I personally, the first time I noticed this actress was, Mm -hmm. do you remember this show, Big Love? Yeah. That's where I saw her the first time. She was playing like one of these, you know, behind the scene characters, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the sister wives of one of those big uh, you know, big, big. Characters. Yes, I I vaguely rep like I vaguely remember that now because she does have such a familiar like when you see her, you it was it was exactly you said like I knew that I'd seen her before, I just could not pinpoint where it was. Yeah, she was on Big Love, and so the last name Enos is because she is. Well, the first name is actually French too, Mireille, uh, right? But her mother is actually French. And the dad is a, you know, Texas-born man who met her mother while serving on a mission for the LDS in France. So she she had actually a Mormon upbringing, which I suppose, you know, gave her the upper hand in playing the character that she played on Big Love. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) I wonder what she must have been, if if not fluent, proficient in French already. Yes. That, that, that's exactly what we were talking about. Cause I remember one of the things is like, whenever she met with the dude, the dude that made the passports and stuff, that's when she had the most opportunity to, to, to speak fluently in French. And I kept hearing so many beautiful things that she said that are not, you know, from a learned uh, mm, uh, person. Like yeah. Right. yeah, it's somebody that has been conversing regularly. Yes, and when she, whenever she greeted the guy, she never said, you know, like 
formally you would say bonjour every time you see someone, but she used yeah. the term salut, which is more of a relaxed way of. Yes, that's great. <laughs> that's wonderful that you picked up on that. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, that's 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 how. Yes, yeah, so she must have been just well averted in yeah in speaking French already. That's great, and what a great skill to have because as an actor. You know, you, having multiple languages, it really does open up doors, right? Because oh, yeah. that that could have been. Uh, while I think that she did a great job in that role, I think that the role there are a lot of women that can, could have probably played that role, but her speaking French as fluently as she does, or as proficiently as she does, probably just kind of put her on the edge. Yeah, I. There are a couple of aspects of the character of Marisa Wigler that I like, and. Mm -hmm. The number one thing is that at one point, something clicked and told her, you know, you have to do the right thing by this little girl. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and she did, but like she had a way of conning herself into the conversation just so she could, you know, keep an eye on Hannah. And she was so clever about it. She went about it so brilliantly that she was able to fool everybody. And this character is lovely. And I hope we we keep seeing her during, you know, in the next season. Well, I think, yeah, I think the next season, it's, I feel like I mean, we kind of have to because it, 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 season two left off with her and Hannah kind of locking arms and saying, okay, we're going to, you know, fix this. So... We're I think it's going to, yeah, I, I think we're going to see a lot of her character and I'm excited. I think that they have a really good chemistry. They do. They definitely do. You are absolutely right. Um, another actor that this time we just saw almost always in flashback was Joel Kinnaman, who played Eric, uh, Hannah's father. I'm a big fan of Joel Kinnaman and not necessarily because he played Eric on, on Hannah, but if you saw Altered Carbon, you'll remember Joel Kinnaman. Yes, yes, <laughs> I remember, yes. It's, yeah. it's uh, because of Altered Carbon, I'm like, oh, this guy is a fantastic actor. It was great to see him, uh, you know, although, albeit in flashbacks, but, you know, he's all, he was always there and that was fantastic. It was. What do you think of Yasmin Monet Prince as Clara Mahan? You know, I, if, I mean, it's 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 difficult to say what I thought about her because I don't know what the I, I, I don't know what the brief called for. Right. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So I don't know what exactly they were looking for. I mean, if if it's one of those things where it's like if that was the kind of character they wanted, she did great. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know what the brief called for. I feel like she she was a little just masculine and, and that could have been what the what the the casting called for. Yep. Um, I don't think that they wanted somebody uber feminine and like flirty skirts, but you know, I think that, I don't know that she would have been able to carry everything by herself. I think that she did a good job, you know, kind of with the other actors. Yes. Yes. The one thing about the character that I, I was a little bit like taken aback from is the fact that emotionally the character was everywhere like she was she was all over the place <laughs> isn't it <laughs> right. she was but will you make up your mind already you know 
Yeah, I think, and maybe again, that's maybe that's what that was. You know how how the character was written. You know, we'll see. Well, I don't. We will not see because she's actually not coming. I don't. I don't. Who knows, right? We don't know if she's coming back. But do you think think she won't come back though? Like, I mean, the whole encounter with mommy and and stuff. Do you think that that's it for her? I don't know. Maybe. I think that the series can go on without her just fine, though. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like. I love what the character did. I think that, you know, it kind of gave Hannah uh, a reason, right? Her dad has passed. You know, these are spoiler alerts for those yeah. who haven't watched it. But Like her dad passed away and it gave Hannah a reason to kind of love again, to like, yes. you know, have a, a human connection, yes. right? So Absolutely. it gave her a reason. And so I think it served its purpose and then she is now gone. And now her new human connection or is back to, you know, having uh, Marissa. So I don't know that Clara needs to come back, but, but I think that she could come back. I think that they did that on purpose to leave it open in case Hannah needed to pick up the phone to call a friend. I think she would be available. Yeah. And, and, you know, she could well be the, you know, Robin to, to, to Hannah's Batman. Exactly. But, yeah, you're absolutely right, though. And I never thought about it this way, but yeah, it, it seems like the series could easily go on without. Right. I don't think that, yeah, I mean, I don't think that it's one of those characters that I don't think will be missed, you know? On the other hand, though, um, um, Anya Rose Daly, uh, who yes. played Sandy Phillip, I think I think we, we definitely need to be need to see more of her. Uh, she was an yes, interesting I thought she character. Was yeah, I thought, and I thought she played it really well. I thought when it called for her to be, you know, kind of like, oh, I'm a daughter and I'm a, you know, I'm yes. a mom. You know, she played that really well. And then when uh, there was that one scene in the hotel where she had to like switch really quick to become Dude. assassin, I was like, wow, like you just see like these young <laughs> girls come in and they're like trying to, you know, uh, and I thought she did a great job. I, I do think that we need to see her again because she's such the polar opposite yes. of Hannah that we need to see it. Yes, yes. For like exactly the scene in the hotel, though, that's where I'm like, yo, she is gangster. <laughs> yeah, she, right. she, yeah, there was a switch and she flipped it, and that was that was all she wrote. So I thought, yeah, I think she's great. And I I that's kind of why I feel like the Clara character doesn't isn't needed because she's not an antithesis of anything. She's just kind of like a supportive role to Hannah and just kind of follows Hannah you know, around or whatever. But then you have, how do you pronounce her name? Ain, 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 Ain. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where oh, is she from? She's Irish. She? She's Irish. Uh, she's Irish. Uh, I wonder yeah. if we've been pronouncing her name right then. Yeah, the, the name is... you know, the name is, Irish names. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it, it is all like A-W-E-R and then the, the rest of it is Nya. Okay, so Anya. Okay, well, Anya, her character, uh, Sandy, is so yeah. She's just the opposite of what Hannah is. So we need to see that that polarization. Yeah, and she's been busy. Eh? Uh, she was she was in Hannah. She was in Tom Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, and mm-hmm. also Boiling Point, which is another movie uh, coming out in twenty twenty one. So That's awesome. 
she, she, she's making that money. <laughs> is she coming? Is Boiling Point going to be another Amazon film? She's. I, I do feel like both Amazon and Netflix do this, is they reuse the same actors for different, you know, almost, it's, it's very reminiscent of how, you know, old Hollywood was back in the day when they would just have contracts with certain, like, Fox would have these contracts with, like, MGM would have contracts with these actors and they, you know, kind of reuse them for different things. So I guess we'll see. And, and it's, it's, it's a good thing to see, which in terms of job security in a market that right. is so volatile. But at the same time, sometimes it's hard to, to, to switch and see those actors as, other, as the other characters that they play. Sometimes it's easy, but most of the time for me, depending on how profoundly uh, impacted I was by a character... It's hard for me to to take the same actor seriously in another role. Does that happen to you? It does when the characters are drastically different. Like, for example, if Anya decided that she was going to go into, like, a romantic comedy role, that would be a little hard for me to watch because I'm like, I just saw you kill a man in the hotel. (laughs) (laughs) You know, now you're like in a mini skirt flouncing around in Central Park. That would be a little bit different for me um, to see. But Boiling Point sounds like it's another action type film. So, uh, and I know I'm not an actress. I did some theater, you know, back in the day, but um, even in theater, you generally play the same kind of of roles, right? You kind of get, you fit into a particular kind of genre. but I feel like uh, movie actors or television show actors, they're a little bit more, or they desire to be a little bit more fluid. I don't think that they want to be typecast. Like a lot of right. them struggle with that. They're like, I don't want to always do action. I want to grow. I want to, you know, in the theater world, we're like, I'm a soprano. I'm going to do every soprano role that I yep. can do. You know, no one's trying to, 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 to branch out too much. If you're a comedic actress on in theater, then you do you know, the com- comedic shows, you're probably not going to be the one in Les Mis, uh, right. you know, singing your little bleeding heart out. You know what I mean? Uh, right. But uh, TV and, and movie actor, actors and actresses are a little bit different. I think they, they like to expand. So we'll see what Anya does in the future. It, it's one of those things that I always have always admired from British actors is that uh, one of the things they do is that even no matter how successful a show is, they will give it maybe one or three se- between uh, two and three seasons mm-hmm. and then move on so yes. that we don't get so used to seeing them just being one character and so they don't get typecast right uh, they walk they away that. from things yeah they do what they're very they walk away they will walk because they did that with um i remember i learned about that process uh when i was watching downton abbey and they would kill characters off just left and right on downton and i was like why do they keep killing characters? And I didn't realize it was because the actors were like, mm, I'm good. I'm ready to go. Yeah, yeah I'm kind of <laughs> done with wow. this. Yeah. Uh, and yet you else? have Academy going into like season 97. My and, goodness. you know, they're playing. And they're still, and they're fine. Like, they're like, this is job security for me. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Like, I have the same complaint with the cop shows, right? Like, Mariska Hargitay, <laughs> like she's been like 20 something seasons in the same show. And, yeah. but like, I, I would have loved to see her, I don't know, playing some badass character in a movie or something. So, but at least in, if I saw her in that other character, I would not simply see Olivia, whatever her name is on, on, on the show that she plays, but it's been so many years, so many seasons. So I, I think it's a good, 
it's a good method that actors everywhere should 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 actually start following is that when I even no matter how uh, successful the show is, I'm not going to stay too long so that people yeah. can see me in other roles. Yeah, I guess, you know, it just depends on the, the, the kind of career an actor or an actress wants to have. Yeah, that also, yeah. That, is, that is also true. There was this actor who got introduced in, this, in, in Hannah season two, Dermot Mulroney. What do you know about? Uh, oh yeah, he's he was a, a he was in the in the '90s and 2000s. I feel like he was like a, a leading actor in some rom coms. He did a movie with Julia Roberts. Um, I'm trying. I don't remember. Was it my best friend's wedding? It was like I think it was like my best friend's wedding. Let me take a look at it. Uh, but I remember him, McDermott. Um, what's his first name? His name Dermot. is Mul- Mulroney. He was, yeah, he was in a movie with Julia Roberts. This was way, way back. I'm like scrolling. Like, when <laughs> did you do that? Because um, it was like the 2000s. Yeah. It's, it's, but he's he's been around a lot because I'm still scrolling. He did The Family Stone. I remember that. That was with uh, Jessica, Sarah Jessica Parker. That was in the 2000s as well. Hmm. My best friend's wedding. Yes, that was in 1997. That's when I was. That's when I remember him. For, that's the only thing I remember him from, really. <laughs> so my dude has been around for a while. <laughs> yeah, because I'm scrolling. He has a full resume. A full resume. So, what did you think of this character? It was a bit, a bit, a bit sinister, wasn't he? Yeah, and, and to your point of seeing people in different roles. Because I'm so, like, I have an association of him as a leading man in, like, a rom-com, it was difficult for me to 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 see it at first as this, you know, kind of evil man uh, in, in this role. And it, it took me a couple of a couple of episodes to kind of accept that this is this is what he was doing. But yeah, it took me a little bit. Yeah, and I um at several points I was like hoping somebody would kill him or something. <laughs> Because there was no point of of seeing, there was never a point where you would see that he would have a change in purpose. Like, uh, you know, like this guy's determined to get this thing done. And even when, when the people who are his bosses are giving up on the project, he just wants to continue. And I'm like, dude, come on, <laughs> take, take a break, man. <laughs> Right. He must be a Taurus. Like he was just really like, I'm, gonna go. I'm digging my heels in on this one. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it was good. And I don't know if this is a, it's going to be a returning character. Uh, well, yeah, they killed him. Remember? Or they should, no, they didn't. They didn't kill him. Did they kill him? No, they didn't. Yeah. They just kind of, no, 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 no. No, he is a recurring character because at the end, Marissa says, you're going to help me. Like, right. remember they said, I'll work, and she says, you're, and you are going to help yeah. me. Yeah. And so he is coming back. All right. So uh, that's, that's, that's going to be, there's going to go. What, what do you think of? Okay. So I'm going to start by saying this. Uh, I didn't like the character they gave Sherelle's kids on this one. Oh, like the social worker. Yes, I. I've, ugh, yeah. no, I didn't. I, I kept hoping that she would just switch side, 
Right. Like I, but I, I feel like she's starting to. Yeah, but kind of late, isn't it? Like, I think she, she, she was able to see from the very beginning that there was something terribly wrong about what she, what she was in charge of doing, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so I expected her to sort of like at least by mid, you know, season mm. to go like, yo, I'm gonna switch side, you know? Yeah. I, I agree. I think she she did take a little bit long. Like, for, I don't know what her background was, right? So they introduced her and said, this is now your job. But mm-hmm. what is what was her background prior to that? It was, uh, it seems to me that she was one of those CIA analysts that, you yes. know, wanted to get like a field job instead. Oh, okay. Got yeah. it. So that, yeah, because I was like, I don't know that she even had the qualifications to... And maybe there's a lot of tension, and and I think that they didn't do a good job of show if there was tension of showing it because maybe, maybe she wants to have this field job, and so she doesn't want to get fired, but she's also, you know, like there's something very wrong here, yeah. and it's it's taking her a moment. But we'll maybe she, I don't know. Will she come back next season? Will she? Won't she? That's that's a good question because I I, I feel like there's a bit more to her than we stole. Yes, I agree with that. I think that, and I, I also feel like, I feel like she, because she did a lot of like interesting counseling roles. Like she was like in this weird counseling yeah. position, right? You have to counsel them. So I feel like there needs to be that character, whether it's her or someone else, there needs to be that character. I I liked, you know, how she approached Clara, for instance, when Clara had that outburst and she was in, you know, sort of like in solitary confinement. I, I like the approach she had to her. Like, I'm just going to sit here just so you don't feel like you're on your own, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I felt like, oh, she's coming around. <laughs> you know what I mean? At that moment, but she didn't quite make it all the way around the circle. <laughs> Yeah, that was disappointing, man. I, I don't know. Like, I, I was, I was rooting for her to be, to become one of the good guys, because Marisa started this show, you know, very cruel, <laughs> you know. Right, right. She did. She really did. And then all of a sudden, she had a change of heart. That I was like, I'm liking this new Marisa, even though she got her butt kicked by uh, by Hannah on both <laughs> on both she seasons. On yeah, when they were on train or the bus or the it was a boat they were on the boat and yep she did yo she, she, she kept coming back oh my god she kept coming back but that you know a lot to be said about a character that um you know like the heart of marissa wanting to to fix things uh, so Sherelle's kid the actress we're talking about she is from birmingham england she's from the west midlands and uh, she was born of Jamaican and Vincentian parents. So one parent from St. Vincent's in Grenadine and one parent from Jamaica. So she is Caribbean. Caribbean. She's of Caribbean descent. Yay! <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Loads of talks sure. about the Caribbean. Uh, Leo Garner, played by Anthony Welsh. Uncle Leo. <laughs> I love Uncle Leo. <laughs> I don't know if you got that reference, but I cracked up when they... No, I, what, what was the reference? Do you remember Seinfeld had a, an, an Uncle Leo, <laughs> Jerry oh, Seinfeld? Oh, yeah. 
he did right. Yeah. <laughs> and Uncle Leo became sort of like a nemesis to Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> because... You know, I feel like Uncle Leo wasn't tough enough. Yeah. I wanted him to be like, he was going to be a bad guy. Like, I needed him to be a bad guy. It feels like Uncle, Uncle Leo was more interested in being the pretty boy. <laughs> That's what I was just going to say. I was like, I think he was, like, too pretty. Like, I need you to be bad. Like, I need you, you know, like, be more sinister, yes. be more aggressive. But smooth. you can still be smooth and be a bad guy. Right. I don't know. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, he could be the pretty boy and still be a bad guy. But yeah. he was sort of a, 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 as... Jocelyn would have called it sort of like a wet napkin. <laughs> right, he just didn't quite, you know, do what he was supposed to do. Like, I feel like he needed to be, be tougher. He needed to be more, yeah, smooth, but but mean, meaner. But here's the thing, though. While he's an actor that I recognize, and he's been on a lot of shows that I've watched, mm, I don't I remember him from those other shows. <laughs> See, he's forgettable. You're forgettable. You're right. Andy. I mean, so he was like he, on The Personal History of David Copperfield. He was on Black Mirror. He, he was on Black Mirror? He was on Black Mirror, and he also was on Fleabag. Yeah, I feel like he's just forgettable. Then. I don't remember this dude. I do not remember. I mean, I don't remember the characters he played. When I see him, I remember, okay, this guy, I've seen this guy on something else. But I just yeah. don't remember the characters he played on anything that he's been on. So... Yeah, forgettable. Then he is forgettable. So, and, and to that point, he he did. It's like you know, as an actor. And again, I'm I'm not the foremost authority on acting mm -hmm. with my you know, little bit of acting that I've done. But you know, you kind of have to go there. And I just feel like he never quite went there. Yeah. I, it's almost like, what is his role in it again? Like, what, right. what, what does he do? Yeah. And I think that that character really could have been more dynamic, but be the way that it was played, I just feel like it was kind of a throwaway character so they could kill him at the end. <laughs> like, let's just throw this guy in here. <laughs> um, yeah, the throwaway character. <laughs> One actress that I think probably her role wasn't supposed to be that good, but she is so good of an actress that she made something of this character... I'm talking about Gianna Hill. Uh, she played uh, what was what was the name of her character? She played um, Jules. Jules, Jules yes. Allen, right? Yes. Do you think they really planned for her character to be this, you know, influential? Because I felt like she gained, she stole every scene. I agree. I think, yeah, I think she was really strong in her scenes. I think that you could really see, like, she really did a good job of portraying the differences between her, like, her experience, you know, kind of being this assassin going into this fake world, and Sandy's experience coming yes. being an assassin. And she was, she was very, very strong with her point of view. I thought she did great. In 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 all, in the the other thing I liked about her is the fact that she figured it out pretty early that this whole thing was fake, and she wasn't gonna fall for it. it yeah, and I loved it. I loved it. And you know the moment where she had to be decisive, and again, you know she ended up killing people and stuff. But like I, that's that's my thing is that I, I don't I'm not saying you know I um, I like what she did, but rather. It was a character that 
that did what needed to be done. And that was my problem with the with the character of Clara, is that, like I said, Clara was too sentimental and everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we know that that's not what she was brought out to be. So so mm-hmm. what happened there? You know what I mean? Like, was there, is that a flaw in the whole, you know, psychological uh, makeup of, of those characters? Or was her personality too strong to even be uh, converted into the kind of assassin that she was supposed to be? I think a little of both. You think? I think a little of both. Yeah, I think I think a little bit of both. I think that you know her, and this this is such a good point because you can take this from many angles of like just nature versus nurture. Who a person is naturally mm-hmm. is going to come out, regardless of this environment that they're in, right? So I thought that she did a good job of of being kind of both of that. Right. Uh, there's quite a few other uh, characters and, and actors that we could talk about, but here's the thing. They didn't influence the show enough right. <laughs> for us to, <laughs> to take time and talk about them. But let me ask you this. If you were to sell Hannah to one of your friends, yeah. What what would you what would be your pitch? What would be my pitch? I would say Hannah is a show about. I feel I feel like it's different, right? Depending on who I'm talking to, but mo- I guess generally I'd say Hannah is a show about uh, a girl who uh, was raised to be an assassin by a government entity, and now she has to figure out how to shut that entity down because there are a lot of other girls who are being raised the same way that's how i would pitch it because that interests me it's like girl against the world <laughs> yes yes <laughs> yeah i love that in in here is my question why do you think the entire project of Utra centered in in girl assassins as opposed to you know mix a mix of boys and girls and like there is no there is no other you know there is no other camp where there's only boys there's only one ultra and ultra is only you know raising girls why 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 do you think girls i think because their goal was to have them be a little well i mean there's a lot of different reasons but i think in a misogynistic <laughs> society, they probably thought that girls were a little bit easier manipulated. Also, girls are easier to blend in. You know, like take Sandy's role, for example. She just became the college student and was, yep. you know, college Karen, all, like, you know, living her life. And it was easy for her to do that um, and to be able to have these multiple personalities almost. And I think that. You know, I think in general, women are good at, you know, multitasking because there's usually a lot of things happening yeah, in our true. brain. Right. So I think that um, knowing that they've probably felt like, oh, they can they can handle this. They can balance being an assassin and being a college student at one time. Yeah, that, I, I like while I was watching the show, I kept thinking about this when they put these women in the world mm-hmm. and they're going to go about their lives so nonchalantly. Right. I feel sorry for whoever ends up marrying, marrying her and yeah. taking her to mama and daddy and stuff yep. without knowing, yo, this is an actual weapon you're bringing into Correct. your family. Uh, yeah. But I, overall, I love the premise of, of the show. I do 
you to. I hope it doesn't become tiring. I hope they keep it fresh and real uh, for their uh, uh, next yeah. steps to come, right? Too. It well, was really good. I really enjoyed it. What What do you hope to see in the uh, seasons to come? That's a good question. I I don't know. Like I <laughs> because I, I guess I I expect for them to go to figure out how to shut down this project. Right. That is. I expect to see. I think it would be weird if they moved to America and, you know, just decided to do something else, like, you know, be in the White House or something. That would be weird. I think that, uh, yeah, I want to see them kind of go all the way to the top and figure out who was really behind this. I don't think that we know that yet. Yeah. The Pioneers Club sounds like just a, 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 artificial superficial type of right. thing that you know, almost like a conspiracy theory more than anything yeah. as opposed to something that is real isn't it? right right very well then so i must say as i expected and as i anticipated of course you know this has been an absolutely fantastic and enjoyable conversation Thank you for having me. I actually would like to formally (laughs) ask you to uh, come on into the show a bit more often. Please let me know. I would let you know. I love good TV, like (laughs) especially now that we're in quarantine. Yeah, trying to catch up on everything. So yeah, I would of course just let me know, and I would love to because I love these conversations. Whenever you see something that you like that you think is worth talking about, and we haven't. Uh, quite gotten there you can yeah. always throw throw it into my inbox as a suggestion and i will i will put up the challenge for you to come and show your face to kicking and streaming audience yeah. <laughs> i love it i love it thank you for having Fantastic. and for the open invite so let me give you this moment to tell our folks our listeners where to find you how to follow you and what is it that your podcast, your YouTube channel, everything that you do, go ahead and tell our audience about it and how, how they can how they can find you online. Yes. So my uh, primary, I would, uh, you know, experience here is I am a business coach and I help uh, people start businesses. So usually there are people who are very successful already in whatever career they have, and they're just looking to brand themselves outside of their organization. I help them understand how to do that. And you can find me anywhere. I'm Tracy Timberlake on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. My podcast is called Social Side Notes, and it's usually just extra things. I post a lot on Instagram, but when there's something extra that Instagram won't allow me to say because it's limiting my characters, right. then I will hop into my podcast and, and talk about it there. So, uh, But if you look me up, Tracy Timberlake, you can find me. Tracy Timberlake has been my guest co-host today. And it is, I, you have no idea how fantastic it has been for me to know that I, I could just ask once and you were all in, and it took me it took me a while to to decide asking you, <laughs> but I'm so glad I asked you because uh, you I made you so. made it so easy. You made it so easy. It was I, yeah. I was like, wow. It's almost like sort of like the same thing that happened to me when I asked Jocelyn to be my co-host to to start a podcast with me. It was like I wasn't expecting her to say no because I had heard so many people have told me. No, man, I, I, I'm, I'm not good at that, right? So when Josephine said yes, I was like stunned, <laughs> you know. 
love it. Well, again, thank you. This has been such a pleasure for me on this. Absolutely fantastic. So, ladies and gentlemen, here you have it. Hannah season two is on Amazon Prime. You can also watch, of course, season one, which will uh, get you acquainted with the whole story. It may sound like we threw a lot of spoilers in this episode, but no, trust me, you need to watch this because you you will never understand what we're talking about. So there's no spoiler True. here unless you no. watch what we've talked about, innit? Right. Thank you to Dr. Tracy Timberlake for being here with us. We will see you next time for another episode of Kicking and Streaming. Have a fantastic week, everyone.